Hey, my fellow monkeys, what's up? Old Uncle Silverback here with you on the Armed Ape Podcast, the show where we review and talk about everything from guns, gear, and movies to life in general. Nothing is ever out of bounds. As always, everything we talk about has the end goal of making our lives better by cutting through all the marketing BS using logic, reason, and honest discussions. I look forward to hearing from you soon and to your participation in the show. Hey, my monkeys, what is going on? Long time, no talk to. So I wanted to jump in and do a little bit of an intro here. And I may be doing this with some shows that I have previously recorded where I've gone through and done sort of the main body of a review or whatever I'm going to talk about. But I didn't do any intros because I wanted to be able to sort of have some stuff in the bank, so to speak. So you may hear me talk about or reference some things that aren't happening. So, for instance, I think in the the particular show that we're going to hear today, I talk about when I'm doing the recording, I'm waiting for my daughter to get done with something at school or something like that. And obviously, you know, schools right now are shut down. So anyway, I I don't think I did any contact info on there. And if I did, well, we'll we'll get to hear it twice, I guess. So anyway, let's go ahead and get that contact info posted. And then I will have you guys go ahead and listen to the bank show. And I don't even remember how long ago I did this. So if you would like to contact me, I'd love to hear from you guys. The voicemail we have is area code 206-745-2731. So 206-745-APE1 is the voicemail. Or if you would rather record your own audio or do your own email, the address to send that to is thearmedape at gmail.com. All one word, thearmedape at gmail.com. If you go over to the website, which is thearmedape.com, I do have buttons for Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. There's also a PayPal donation button on the bottom. However, during these trying times, I guess we'll maybe just kind of hold off on that type of stuff. So uh, make sure you keep your own money and and use it for your own family's well-being and all that type of thing. Uh, However, I will say with some of those YouTube buttons, I have been doing some more videos. I think I put one up just a couple of days ago talking about some gas cans. So it's it's a relatively quick video, maybe five, six minutes, something like that. But Again, if you go over to the website, you can click on the YouTube button and it'll take you right over. Uh, my YouTube channel is Every Blade of Grass. I, I can't remember. I've got so many different social media things that everything is kind of all jumbled up. Uh, but I think, let me see if I can pull it up here and we'll actually see for sure what the... Uh, it's been so long since I've used this microphone, I'm kind of pulling away from it. So we'll, I apologize for that. So yeah, my YouTube channel is just every blade of grass and the way that I have the channel, it's all just one, all those words are jumbled together. So every blade of grass and every blade of grass is capitalized. Uh, All right, guys, I think that's about it. So go ahead and enjoy the show and I hope to hear from you soon. All right, monkeys, let's get to talking about these movies. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit 
about how the sausage is made, so to speak. And right now I'm in the truck, so you may hear some stuff. My daughter is doing some volunteer work with her school, so I've got about a uh, 45 minutes or so, I guess, to get some stuff down. So I knew I was going to be here, so I brought my mobile recording stuff with me. And hopefully we'll be able to talk about a couple of movies here. So now that you've seen the sausage, let's jump in. All right. So there are two movies that I wanted to talk about. They are both animated movies. They're both Batman movies. They both came out in 2018. The first one is Batman Ninja. And the second one is Batman Gotham by Gaslight. Batman Ninja is PG-13 and Gotham by Gaslight, which I'm just going to call Gaslight from here on out because I don't want to keep saying Gotham by Gaslight over and over again, is rated R. And we'll talk about sort of those ratings. Are they deserved? That type of thing uh, here in a little bit. But first of all, I guess let's talk about how we're going to do spoilers and things like that. And with these particular movies... I don't know that there is a whole lot of super spoilerish material just because in these type of movies, in these superhero movies, you know that Batman is going to be victorious. I guess the only thing that you could say would be a spoiler would be how he gets there. So I guess what I'll do is if there are going to be any spoilers, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll say, or the old format of the show or how I used to do the show is I would talk about a movie and I would talk about it up to a certain point and then I would say, okay, I don't want to reveal any plot plot twists, excuse me, or major spoilers. So we're going to stop here. I'll play the outro music. I'll tell you, you know, give you a recommendation where I think you should see it or not. And then... I'll play some music and then you guys come back at the end of music if you want to hear the spoilers or you just sign off when you hear the music. For this one, like I said, especially for Batman Ninja, there's really not a whole lot of uh, twists or spoilers that I'm going to talk about. So I guess I'll kind of play it by ear. And I think for the first movie, since we're talking about two, what I may do for Ninja I think Ninja, again, doesn't have as many... There's a couple of little twists, not too many. But Gaslight has a couple of twists in there. And I probably will revert to the old format. So I'll talk about Batman Gaslight up to a certain point and then say, okay, I'll play a little bit of music when that ends. I'm going to go ahead and do the spoiler stuff. So, And I'll remind you guys of that stuff uh, a little bit later here. Anyway, let's jump in with... Batman Ninja. And I'll give you guys a little bit of oh, backstory on that. When I first saw the trailer for this, and I can't remember exactly when it came out, but I was super excited. Uh, it looked really cool. The animation style was a little bit different. It's more on the computerish ish side, I guess. But I thought, man, there is a lot of potential that they can do with costuming, with weaponry, with you know, what he's going to do, obviously. And from the trailer, what you get, I, I, Batman is transported back into feudal Japan. So 
And that is not a spoiler. You get that from the trailer. And so what I thought was, boy, they're going to do a whole lot with that. We're really going to see something different. I think this uh, was probably originally done in Japanese language and then was later dubbed into English. Or maybe, who knows, it was done at the same time. I don't know. But I think most of the stuff was done and directed by uh, a Japanese director. And his name was Junpei Mizuzake. Mizusake. Junpei Mizusake. There we go. Now, I don't know who wrote it or, or that type of stuff. But anyway... Let's, uh, I guess let's just go ahead and jump in with the story. So it, the, the movie opens with, you have Gorilla Grodd, who is basically a, a sentient, hyper, super intelligent gorilla, you know, way off the charts, all that type of stuff as far as intelligence. He is planning something with the major villains, I guess for lack of a better term, of Gotham. And he's kind of called them all together. Batman and his crew basically get word of that. And he figures, well, I I need to figure out what's going on. It goes kind of bad. Basically, Batman kind of foils it. And there's this sort of this big explosion. Batman kind of, I don't know if if comes to or he's sort of transported to a different place. And he's looking around and he eventually figures out. I'm in feudal Japan, and I've been sent back in time, so kind of what am I going to do? Now, it's here that we find that it just wasn't Batman that got sent back. You, And I'm going to skip a bunch of parts, just kind of in brevity. We find out that the Joker and Harley Quinn have been transported. They are together. And they have sort of an alliance with the Joker. We also find that, I guess... Oh, what did I... Did I say the Joker? I mean, uh, Two-Face. No shit they would have an alliance with the Joker. So anyway, the Joker and Harley Quinn, of course, are together. And they have sort of a loose alliance. And you find out this later with Two-Face. The other bad guys that have been transported back are... You have, um, of course, I mentioned Two-Face... But you have the Penguin, Poison Ivy, Deadshot, Bane. Uh, It turns out Grodd is back there as well. Uh, Also, Catwoman is there. Uh, And much like in the comics, she is sort of more of like a free agent type thing. Uh, Of the good guys, we also found that sort of Batman's crew or subordinates were around and they got transported as well. Also, in this particular case... We find out that Alfred has been transported back as well, along with, uh, I believe, the Batmobile. Because for some reason, this time, Alfred was down around the Batmobile. So anyway, uh, so of the good guys, you've got, um, let's see, Robin, Red Robin, Nightwing, Red Hood. I think that's it for them. So, kind of jumping around in the story a little bit, um, Batman finds out, basically, kind of through Catwoman, that everybody got there about two years ago on their time. And for him, it's, you know, it's only been a matter of maybe a minute. During all this time, all of the villains have sort of carved out their own territories. 
uh, again with the Joker and Harley being together. And like I said before, they we find out later that they have kind of this loose alliance with Two-Face. The rest of them are in struggles either to sort of expand on their territories or defend against the other villains from who are trying to come in with them. So they've all sort of got their own sort of fortresses and they're all kind of, I guess, maybe at each other's throats. I don't know if that's the right term. And I said, I think I said before that Grodd had been sent back and he sort of is on par with the Joker as far as power and territory and stuff like that. So again, like I said, as far as spoilers, there's not, you know, the, the, the challenge and you sort of get this from the get go from the jump is how does Batman get himself and everybody else, all the other bad guys and all the other good guys, how does he get those, everybody back to their own time and not kind of fuck up the, the past for Japan, that type of thing. I don't know. I guess, you know, from here out, we'll, we'll say this is sort of spoilers, so you guys have been warned. You know what I may do is I may put in in music, a little bit of a bumper music, going from in between here and, uh, and when I start to talk about Gaslight. So if you don't want spoilers for this part, but you want to listen to the rest of the show, just sort of fast forward until you hear music. And once you hear music, then you know you can come in and I'll start talking about Gaslight. So, you guys have been warned. You are in spoiler territory for what there is. So, again, the the story from here is very simple and it pretty much is going to end up as you would expect. Now, there are a few sort of simple twists, but for the most part, you know, Batman fights the bad guys and then later he gets help from his good guys that are there. There's also a ninja clan, of course, that has this prophecy about Batman's going to come or a man wearing a bat mask will, you know, help him lead them and all this other stuff. You know, he eventually, when he, when he fights some of some of the other bad guys, he eventually defeats them and does get everybody sort of back to the present. Now, it turns out, and we find out, that Grodd wasn't really looking to send himself back, but he was looking to rid himself of the other bad guys. And so he could sort of have Gotham all to himself. And I guess, probably, if it worked to send those guys back, he would probably send, eventually send Batman and some of his other competition back just to where he'd be running shit up there. So the way that he he sent him back, he has sort of this time transporter not necessarily I guess a time machine I don't know there's several power cores and those have been split up between the other bad guys or I guess if, if we were talking feudal Japan we'd call them daimyo which would be like feudal lords let's sort of we'll, we'll skip over some of the nonsense part that's in there and we'll talk a little bit more about the actual ending and unfortunately, the movie falls pretty flat. The, all the villains have these rolling fortresses, these movable fortresses. And it turns out that over the past few years, Grodd had sort of leaked or given them the technology so that they could, I, I don't know, maybe kind of keep struggling amongst themselves. But what happens is, at the very end, all the bad guys come and they're going to try and fight Batman. Grodd basically gets control of them through like some mind control device that he's got. 
Uh, and I guess maybe, I don't know from the comics if that's one of his powers that he can do, if he has some ability to control minds. Uh, again, I don't know a whole lot about Grodd, uh, but he seems like kind of a cool character, actually. I should probably do a little bit of research on him. What happens is Grodd and, previous to the final battle, Grodd and Batman meet up, and Batman's like, hey, man, I need your help. And Grodd's like, well, we need to get the other power cores and we'll, we'll form an alliance and then we'll, we'll be able to, I'll be able to at least get myself back and you know, all this other kind of stuff. So the final battle is basically all the bad guys' fortresses kind of come together and form uh, like a Voltron-style robot. Remember the Voltron stuff where they had all the different little vehicles and they would form, they would all the little lion things and they would form the big robot so basically, that's what the bad guys stuff do. And this is just hokey as shit. And then it gets hokier because the ninja clan is somehow able to summon forth all these bats. And the bats form and act in a cohesive manner. Grodd has control over three or four hundred thousand monkeys, I guess. Like every monkey that was ever around in Japan. So he's got mind control over them. They basically all run together, link up, and form like a giant monkey robot type thing. Or I guess probably we shouldn't even call them robots. Uh, I guess we would call them more like golems, what Batman and, uh, and, and Grodd have in control. So anyway, you know, there's a big battle. And like I said about the power cores, they need to get those. And of course they get them and eventually they get back home. And that's kind of how the movie ends. But let's talk a little bit maybe about, oh, some of the good stuff and some of the bad stuff of it. And we'll start off with a little bit of the bad. The the writing, like I'd mentioned before, the story is very, very simple. Uh, the writing and the dialogue is horrible. It is terrible. How it's delivered, at least in the... English version that I watched, uh, the, the disc that I had, I didn't have the option, I don't think, to switch over to um, to the Japanese version of it. All I had was the English audio. But it was it was very poorly acted. And I don't know maybe if in, if in the Japanese language if it would have been better or if I had watched it dubbed or if I had watched it not dubbed but in the original language with subtitles, I think I probably would, it wouldn't have been so bad. Like I said, the plot is super, super simple. And it seems like, and I've seen this kind of in some other movies before too, but it seems like that they had some really cool scenes. And, and it and we'll, we'll talk about the, the animation style and stuff here in a little bit. But it seems like they had some cool ideas for scenes. And then they thought, oh, this would look good. How do I string a story how do I make the rest of this stuff play out to where I can have these individual scenes, that type of stuff? Um, the action scenes in there that they have, they are predictable, and you don't really ever feel that any of the characters are in danger. Uh, you don't feel that there is any weight to those situations. It's, it's just kind of typical fare. So again, you don't feel there's anything, I guess that you don't feel like there's anything at stake is probably a better way to say it. Now, there was also a couple of themes that were brought up, but they weren't really explored. And I thought the major one 
was that with Batman, he's been transported back into feudal Japan. Now, he, I mentioned earlier, he did have the Batmobile with him. But that stuff, you know, eventually he's not going to be able to power that stuff. And all his tech in his suit requires power. And so Batman basically is losing pretty much all of his technology. And he has a very, very brief, I guess we'll put it in quotes, like a crisis of, you know, he's sort of asking himself, well, what am I if I'm so dependent on technology that I can't move forward or that I, uh, that I can't be effective without it? But they really don't, and it's unfortunate, they really don't go into depth with this. And then another thing that I thought was just kind of hinted at a little bit, which was in looking at the good guys, and they're kind of a team. They're kind of not. They, you know, they're they're uh, they have alliances or they're, or they're sort of together. But the Red Hood, who again is is from previous stuff, has some different thoughts on how things should be done and how the bad guys should be dealt with. And this is very very different than what Batman would have them do. Uh, or I guess we could call it maybe the code that he follows and expects the other people that are affiliated with him to follow. And there, again, it's a very, very brief scene, but it isn't really followed up or expanded upon like it could have been. So I guess if we're going to talk about some of the bright spots, for me, I, I thought there was really kind of only one, unfortunately, and that was the animation itself. Now, if you go in this and you watch it and you give it a chance and you like it, you can say, oh, okay, I like this style of animation. There are some really cool things that they do with backgrounds, how things are presented. Again, like we talked about, oh, here's, some cool, here's this cool scene or here's something that looks good. So they do a good job on that. Uh, I like some of the fight scenes. I like how they were animated and how they were done. But eh, if that style of animation bothers you, boy, I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of enjoyment out of this thing. It just it just may not be for you. But again, I guess I would say that I like the style of it. So I guess I could say, well, that you know, we could call this movie to a close right here, and I'd say, ah, you know, if you're maybe a Batman completist and you'd just like to kind of see it, if, if especially if it was maybe like a Red Box or uh, it was something that was going to come up on Netflix or Hulu or something that you're already kind of paying for anyway, you know, go ahead and give it a watch. But other than that, I would, you know, I would say maybe pass. If you look at some of the the ratings like on Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb, it's rated pretty low and I can see why. So let's talk about maybe some of the things that I would have liked to have seen done. And so we're going to veer off to where if good old, if your good old buddy Uncle Silverback was writing the story. So, I like the idea of Grodd trying to get rid of the others, so I would keep that. And the first thing I think that I would have done differently is that the Joker is basically a mini Shogun of sorts. And you have all the other bad guys are his vassals or, or daimyo. And basically they're kind of like the feudal lords there. So they have they have basically rolled in and they are just running shit now. They are running huge swath of Japan. And again, the exception of that, I think I said, would be Grodd. Uh, he would be apart from the others. Now, and in doing this, if you had, if they had done something or gone this way, you would really show kind of how powerful an adversary the Joker is. 
And I would have still had infighting among the villains, but I wouldn't have had them had their own territory. And again, what we would see is that they would they would split off if they could, but basically the sort of the fear of the Joker and what he'll do is what is kind of holding them together. Now, also, I would have maybe mirrored this a little bit with the good guys. I would have had them maybe gone in and sort of had their own territories that they took over from unjust or if you want to call them the evil daimyo of that time. And they're kind of saying, well, we're coming in here and normally we wouldn't do this, but we're sort of stuck here and we're going to, we want to have basically a place where people can, where there's law and order and people can live their lives without fear of being, you know, taken advantage of or murdered or, you know, all this other stuff. And they don't have to be feared, uh, fear living under sort of the tyranny of the Joker, that type of thing. I would have also had them have a little bit of discord amongst themselves, kind of along the lines of you would have some of them would be saying like, hey, the the code that Batman gave us is a good code and we need to stick to that code. And then you have others saying, look, we're stuck here. We we have to adapt. We have to deal with our current situation. So the, the way that the that Batman would have us do stuff it's not going to work here. You know, the, the way that we need to deal with these guys isn't to lock them up and put them in a jail somewhere. That's not going to work here. We need to kill them. And I, I think you could have explored a lot with that type of stuff. I also would not have brought Alfred into the past so that what you have is, is, is Batman is cut off from almost everything and everyone that he is used to having around him as a support. And you could say, well, aren't the other guys that, you know, that you have all the Robins and, and even Catwoman are there, but really he doesn't necessarily count on those guys like the way that he does Alfred. So I think, again, you could have gone in and explored much more with, he feels isolated. He feels alone. He really feels like he's a fish out of water. Uh, he feels that without his, you know, like fundamental support. And like I said, they did do a, this a, just a little bit, you know, kind of what is he? Has he become all gadgets? Has he relied on technology and gotten away from doing good, you know, detective work in the, in the comics? When I was a kid, he was always, you know, seen as like the world's greatest detective type thing. So anyway, those are some of the things that I would have done differently. Like I said, Let's go back. Would I recommend this thing or not? Urgh. Let me let me think about that just for a second. I guess I'll stick with my previous thing that I said before. If you can get it maybe through Redbox or if you're if it's going to come on Hulu or Netflix or some of the other streaming services or maybe even through Prime, I wouldn't pay more especially if you get it through Red Redbox, I wouldn't pay more than $2. I think it's probably worth that, especially if you if you like the uh, just animated Batman stuff. Uh, like I said, the animation and the stylistic choices they made are pretty good. Unfortunately, the, sto- the story, the dialogue, the acting version, especially in the if you're watching it in English, is not very good. It wasn't directed very well. The, the voice direction wasn't good. 
And who knows, maybe that's just a limitation of the writing, maybe a limitation in the translation of it. But uh, I, I would, and I think maybe as an as a English-speaking audience, if you watch it in Japanese, maybe you wouldn't, the dialogue wouldn't stand out as much if you're doing, if you're listening to an original in, uh, in, in original Japanese and just reading the subtitles. Because a lot of times we don't pick up on, you know, with the foreign language stuff, especially, you know, with Chinese, Japanese languages are so vastly different from ours. A lot of times it's hard to pick up on that unless you're watching them all the time. And then you can start to pick up on some of the subtleties and you can see some of the, the acting just isn't quite there. All right, so what I'm going to do is I will insert some music because like I said, I am in the truck, but I'll insert some music here. That's for the people who maybe bailed out a little early. When they hear this, they can go ahead and come back. All right, guys, we are going to talk about our next movie, and that is Batman Gotham by Gaslight, which I, as I said before, I'm just going to refer to as Gaslight. This, again, was 2018. It's rated R. The story takes place, I believe, in what we would call the Victorian area. Uh, area. There we go, shithead. Probably about 10 years or so, maybe after the Civil War uh, in America. It does play take place again in uh, in Gotham, so it is in the United States. When we, a lot of times when we think about Victorian era stuff, we, we tend to think more England. And this is sort of their take on Batman versus Jack the Ripper. Uh, it's also part of what is called the Elseworld series, which I don't didn't know a whole lot. And I don't know if they're just sort of shorter comics, which, and I don't know if it's just based solely on Batman or if it's on other like DC properties or heroes, however you want to call it, putting them in different situations, different eras. Having said that, and we'll, we'll jump in here to the story here in a second or two, but having said that, Batman in this one, has, is unlike Batman Ninja, he is not transported back in time. This is just when Bruce Wayne is... Uh, this is just sort of his era. So this is a story of, you know, Batman comes to be in the, you know, late 1800s. So the story opens with Batman, who I think is only referred to as the Bat, but I will refer to him as Batman. Another thing, if I say Batman and, and then talk about what he's doing, that's him as when he's in costume. And if I say Bruce or Bruce Wayne, that's him when he would be portraying himself as Bruce Wayne. The costume is a little different. I, I liked it. I thought it was it was pretty cool for the era. Uh, but anyway, the uh, the story opens up. Batman is is uh, saving this elderly couple from being robbed by three street orphans who, and I didn't really pick up on this, but later I kind of figured it out. Is they're supposed to be sort of his iterations of Robins. Uh, he subsequently has to fight their leader, who is this great big dude. 
uh, and he beats him and I think dislocates his shoulder or something like that. And then he tells the guys to, tells the boys, you know, go ahead, get back, get out of here, go on home. And they're saying like, well, this is where we live. We are home. And he's like, well, go back to your mom. And they're like, we don't have a mom. And like the leader guy. And he's like, well, just, you know, basically fuck off and go do something else. And then they're telling him like, we can't because he'll come after us. Even if we want to leave, we can't because you know, big Jim Jones there, whatever his name was, will force us back into this life. And then so what Batman does is he just straight up snaps the dude's leg. And so this is where there is a bit of a departure from some of the previous animated stuff that we've seen in the depiction of violence. And they do ramp up the violence. And there are several scenes in which blood is shown And there isn't a lot of saved-in-the-nick-of-time type scenes in this movie. So you do have a lot of the bad things that that would happen to that character play out. And you don't have a lot of that, what do they call it, deus ex ex machina, which is like God in the machine, meaning that it's almost like divine intervention that this person didn't get killed. So, and there... To be fair, there are some instances of that in this, but we'll talk about those a little bit later. So in talking about maybe sort of what they're ramping up with, there are some scenes that would be considered of a, I don't know, I don't know if I'd call it a sexual nature, but maybe of a sexual sexualization. Maybe that's the way I want to say, how I want to say it. But... They have one thing where there's like a, little, a bit of a strip tease. They have another thing where characters are, are having sex. You don't see them having sex, but it's, it's you know, it's, it's pretty obvious and it's, you know, what's, what's being implied there. But still, I think, I don't know, I, I, I think, I don't know that I would rate this an R. I think probably this has some, some stuff to do with the Deadpool thing. Maybe they wanted to have it be a little bit more edgy. I don't really know who who this movie is for, but I think I think you could probably without really changing hardly anything, I think you could probably maybe give it a, a PG thirteen and maybe say it's kind of a hard PG thirteen. I don't really think there's anything in this in this uh in Gaslight that your typical thirteen year old boy couldn't handle. Uh, I don't think they'd have much of a problem with that. So, well, I was going to jump in with more of the story, but let's let's talk a little bit more kind of nuts and bolts things. So we have several characters that are there, but not all of them from the from what we would say maybe like the typical modern Batman universe are going to be there. And if they are, sometimes they're not going to be in their typical form. So Batman and Alfred are pretty much the same. Commissioner Gordon is there as a policeman. You have uh, Bullock is there from, again, he was from some of the animated series. Poison Ivy is there, but she is not a criminal at all. And her name isn't Poison Ivy, but it's it's something very, very similar to that. But she is sort of a dancer slash stripper, uh, also probably a prostitute. But she's she's not like a criminal mastermind type thing. Selena Kyle is there, who was Catwoman, but they've, the twist they've given on her is she was a former circus performer and used to do like maybe a lion, lion taming act with her dad. So she has the whip and stuff like that. And she's actually more of sort of a suffragette advocate. 
And they've totally removed anything as far as her being a, a criminal or a cat burglar, that type of thing. We also see that Harvey Dent is there. He's still a prosecutor, but in this one, he never becomes Two-Face. Uh, so again, he doesn't he doesn't sort of go down that criminal road. Now, as far as the animation style, we had talked about in Ninja that I liked the animation style, I liked what they did with the backgrounds. It's very typical of some of the earlier animated stuff, but for a feature movie, it really, I thought, sort of lacked a lot of, of depth and, and style, and it just fell, for me, it fell pretty flat visually. It was just sort of like, yeah, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't great either. And I thought, again, for something, if you're going to make this a feature movie and an R-rated movie, you could have done a lot stylistically to really make this thing stand out. And they didn't really do that. The voice acting is good. It's fine. And how the story progresses, uh, there was a little bit of a lull in the middle for me. But, you know, for the most part, how the story progresses is well done. Uh, I will say one thing. It, it did do a good job of sort of keeping its cards close to the vest until the, uh, until the end. And there is a bit of a twist there. So anyway, if, if let's jump back in with the story. Ivy gets killed actually quite brutally in a back alley. And I mentioned before about the violence. And while when I was watching this scene, I remember thinking in my head, oh, okay, this is how they're going to get that R rating. Now, in this universe, many people are aware of the Bat, is what they call him. And many kind of think that Batman and the Ripper may be the same man. Uh, the killings are of several, you know, quote-unquote low women, so prostitutes and, and uh, you know, women that are involved in nefarious stuff. And it's the violence toward them is ramping up, and it's becoming almost a nightly thing. Uh, there's a, a meeting where you have Bruce Wayne and a bunch of other people, sort of the the uh, cream of society are meeting. They're going to are, are trying to uh, have a world fair in Gotham, and I guess Bruce Wayne is kind of footing most of the bill. And at this point, Selina is there, and, and of course the uh, commissioner is there, and some of the police are there. And she kind of berates the police, saying, "You basically, you're do nothing, you're do nothings, and you're not doing anything right." So she decides to set herself up uh, up as bait. And of course, the bait is taken by Jack, and she starts to fight Jack the Ripper. You know, there, this is what I kind of liked about this particular scene. At first, she kind of holds her own against Jack, but he he pretty much just begins to just whip her ass. I mean, he is, he's a little cautious with her at first, and then he kind of gets her number, and she, it's clear, she is just not in his league at all. And this, again, I mentioned before about that deus ex machina or God in the machine, and this is sort of where we sort of have that again, in that Batman rolls in kind of just in the nick of time to save her. And even with this, we see that Batman is not just going to mop the floor with, with Jack, and at one point, Selina helps Batman, and when when she uh, during the fight, and then later, Batman is uh, is kind of fought to a standstill by Jack, and eventually Jack makes his escape. And in a funny thing, Selina says to uh, to Batman, basically, "Oh, I had him right where I wanted, and I was never going to get this opportunity again, and I was going to be able to take him." 
and he and she's kind of going off the on this rant and he's just kind of like yeah whatever and does sort of like that thing where she he takes a powder when her back gets turned um but it's clear she is she's delusional with that there is no and i like that i like the fact that it's that even batman is having a hard time like he is not this super ninja super fighter that nobody can beat he's having a hard time with this guy later that night, Batman goes over to Commissioner Gordon's house and asks him, he said, hey, I need your help. I need the information that you guys have on Jack. Gordon kind of reluctantly agrees, but he tells Batman, hey, this is my home. You don't ever come here again. And if you do, we're gonna, I'm going to take you in. Uh, and then, and then he's, he kind of goes off on a little bit of a rant. Gordon does on, you know, I need to clean the city up and this, there's crime is everywhere and this, that, and the other thing. And you're kind of being tolerated and blah, blah, blah. And he, as, as he's walking back and forth on his porch, he sort of turns around and then he turns around to say some more stuff to Batman. Of course, Batman has taken a powder. I think I said that, that Gordon agreed to give Batman the information that he had on Jack. So again, what, again, what I liked about it is the relationship isn't normally what we would see. They're not all buddy buddy. There's a very there's kind of an adversarial thing there. It's like Gordon sort of sees him as well. You're you're kind of in league with what I want to have happen right now, so I'll tolerate your presence. And I can't remember when this happened, but there is a, a point where Batman is describing jack and what he's saying is he's like this guy is probably about six three about 200 and, you know 50 pounds or so he is a trained fighter and he is very very skilled and an interesting thing that i thought they did is they you see in scenes where when batman and jack are fighting they're pretty much the same size and then what you also see is that there are several other male characters that are the same size as Bruce Wayne. So Bruce Wayne you know, slash, you know, Batman is the same size as Jack the Ripper. So is Harvey Dent. So is Commissioner Gordon. And there were a couple other dudes that when you're around them, you're like, oh, they're all about the same time. I don't know if that was maybe just a, a little bit of a poor animation style. and They try and make everybody about the same size. Uh, but there were other characters that were smaller than them. But I kind of took it to maybe be a little bit of a nod of the mystery of who Jack the Ripper is or who he possibly could be. You know, could he, because this is an Elseworld thing, so could it be, you know, one of these guys that they're showing or is it going to be somebody totally different? Are they going to take the thing with Dent where that's that's, what Dent's dual personality is. That's his, their take on Two-Face. You know, did that happen? Did it not? I don't know. You tell me. Uh, but I, like I said, I'm not really giving any spoilers or anything, but I, I, I did think that maybe that was something that they were doing. And so if you were watching this and you could kind of immerse yourself into the movie a little bit more, maybe you could look at it that way. So let's see. Uh, we see in a little bit later scene, we've got Bruce Wayne, Harvey Dent, and Selina are going to a gentleman's club and it's a male only club. So they kind of sneak her in, give her a top hat and the, like a man's jacket or something. And we see here that Dent has an attraction to Selena. I don't know if they had maybe hooked up before or not, but of course Selena is attracted to Bruce and Bruce is attracted, attracted to her. 
and they have some conversation at the uh, Dionysus Club, and all the the members there have pins, uh, like a, a lapel type pin, which comes into play a little bit later. Through the conversation, kind of that he's having with Selena, Bruce realizes that a lot of the women who were murdered had been taken in by a nun named Sister Leslie, who runs an orphanage. And he thinks, oh, maybe it might be that Jack might try and go and and hurt her. Um, and unfortunately, I wasn't paying that much attention here because when I was watching it, I was kind of feeling, oh, this is a bit of a lull. This is a little bit of where they're trying to throw in a little bit more of kind of modern sensibilities as far as what are the what would be the place of a woman? So if you if you looked at maybe some of the old Hammer movies, they didn't really ever do anything like this. They would keep, for the most part, how they portrayed women would would have been how a woman would have been portrayed back in that time era. And they kind of didn't do that with this a little a little bit. They kind of did, kind of didn't. Anyway, he thinks for some reason that Jack may go to kill sister Leslie. I don't know really why. Like I said, I didn't, I wasn't really paying that close attention. So Bruce, and again, I mentioned like it's, it's, he's not in the Batman outfit at all. Bruce Wayne goes over to where sister, sister Leslie is. And of course, Jack has, um, come over there and is going to kill her. Uh, And of course, this is one of the things, nothing that I like. Bruce Wayne doesn't show up in the nick of time. Basically, Jack the Ripper kills Sister Leslie, and Bruce Wayne is sort of spotted by this old kind of hag lady, uh, which comes up to play a little bit later. So the the next day at the funeral, we kind of find out that the police have found a pin from the Dionysus Club that this leads them to believe then that Jack the Ripper is a member of this high society club. Uh, they think that he may be a medical man for the way that he's dispatching the victims. Uh, and also at the funeral, we meet Dr. Hugo Strange, who is from the comics, but who also is running Arkham Asylum. He tells Bruce, send Batman to me at midnight tonight, and I will tell him who Jack really is. So at this point, we don't know whether or not Batman knows or... or uh, let me rephrase that. At this point, we don't know whether or not Doctor Strange knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman or what's probably more likely is that Strange thinks that Bruce Wayne is bankrolling Batman and maybe giving him shelter, that type of stuff. So anyway, Batman shows up there. And uh, again, an, uh, I, I don't know if Jack the Ripper was at the funeral and overheard Strange but the Ripper shows up a little bit before midnight, right before Batman gets there. And he attacks Doctor Strange and chases him. And then Batman, of course, shows up kind of in the nick of time to prevent him from killing him. But as they're running through the asylum, you see there's this big pit where they have, I guess, maybe inmates there or patients, I guess we could probably call them, that are maybe a, a little bit too violent. And what happens is... Jack the Ripper throws Doctor Strange down into the pit, and the 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 patients there basically just rip him apart and kill him. Well, when the guards come in, all they see, and then Jack Jack takes a powder. When the guards come in, all they see is the bat, and they blame him. 
and then they sort of, you know, are chasing him and uh, they run out. And when they see the police, they're like, hey, it's the Batman. He threw he killed Doctor Strange. He threw him into the pit and, the, you know, blah, 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 blah. When Batman is chasing Jack, they come up on this like a, uh, a big blimp or a, a dirigible, as I guess is what it would be called back in the day. Then they're fighting on that thing. It eventually crashes. Jack sort of um, fights Batman to a standstill and he escapes. So meanwhile, again, the police think that Batman is responsible for the death of Strange. They're hunting him down. As he's running away from the cops, they shoot him. Uh, So he takes a wound through the shoulder or something like that. And he kind of takes off his cowl and finds a, a... an overcoat on a, on a laundry line and, and puts that over himself. And he's kind of running through the city. Well, they've got everything is all kind of cordoned off by the police. And again, another one of these like uh, God in the machine things that deus ex machina, Selena Kyle just so happens to pull up, sees him, tells him to get in and, the police are those are still stopping carriages. Now, when he gets in, he's sitting there, he's got the overcoat, but the overcoat falls open. She sees the Batman thing. She understands that he's Batman. We flash to another scene where it's a little bit, a few minutes later, the police have stopped their carriage and you have uh, Batman and Selena are rolling around and they're naked. They're covered. You don't see them, but they're obviously naked. They're, they're like under some covers and stuff. And they just think, oh, these are just, these guys are just out having an interlude. So they send them on their way. And then a little bit later, remember I told you that, that Bruce was seen by the old hag? So when they find the pin, when they find some other stuff, Harvey Dent basically, I think, in, in jealousy over the fact that Selena has sort of chosen Bruce over him, indicts Bruce and like they like we've got a witness that saw her at the killing, you know, his whereabouts are unknown, all this stuff. So basically through circumstantial evidence, they're able to put Bruce in jail and are accusing him of being Jack the Ripper. So what I will do now, because this is our second movie and we're not gonna be talking about other movies, I'll kind of go back to the other format of I'll play a little bit more music and then when I come back from the music, we'll jump into spoilers. So if you don't want spoilers, go ahead and check out. Um, I'll give a quick recommendation. Uh, You know, I would recommend you see this. The story, I think, is pretty good. Some of the the twists in there are pretty good. Uh, But anyway, if you stay till after the music, be warned, we're going to be jumping into spoiler territory. Now we are back. Now I'm not going to go into too much details with some of the spoiler stuff, but we'll we'll sort of pick up where we left off in that Bruce is in jail. Selena comes to see him there, and she says, "Look, man, you got to tell Gordon that you are not Jack the Ripper, and that you're that you're Batman, or that you're the Bat." And I think there was a scene where. 
something happened and, and she goes and she goes, he like Gordon knows you're not the Ripper. And I can't remember. I, I can't remember what the scene was where there was something like maybe a like a killing happened at one part of town and Batman was somewhere else or something like that. But anyway, there was a thing where she is saying, like, if you admit that you're him, he knows that you can't be the Ripper because of, you know, A, B and C. And Bruce says to her, no, I'm not going to do that. And she says, well, look, I'll go to him and I'll tell him myself if you're not going to do it. Because you can't cling to this anonymity. You've got to do your part. If you say you really want to bring in Jack, you've got to do your part for it. So she leaves and she said, you know, like I said, she's going to go off and tell Gordon. Bruce bribes a guard when they let him out of uh, just out of a cell. And he says to the guard, you know, basically I'll give you 200 bucks, which would probably be like $10,000 to go give this message to my man, meaning Alfred. And what he does is he basically starts a prison riot. And during the chaos, he escapes the message that he had sent to Alfred. They play a little quick with the timeline here, but he had sent a coded message to Alfred saying, bring my uh, bat steampunk motorcycle and my my bat suit to me at this location, have it dropped off. And Alfred uses the boys, the street boys. And he had had an encounter with them earlier, but it's not really that important. But anyway, they come, they dump the stuff off. He gets his costume and then um, heads out to go to, I think, to maybe the Commissioner Gordon's house, maybe to head off Selena. So by the time Batman goes to Gordon's house... Selena has already come, met him there, and I think, or or gotten word for Gordon to go meet him down, meet her down, excuse me, at the World's Fair. And she's going to give him information about, uh, you know, the bat and about Jack the Ripper and all this other stuff. So he's gone down there. He's He's gone to Gordon's house, finds that she's gone. We cut back to her and Gordon, and then you sort of get a reveal of him putting on the, the, uh, clothes of Jack the Ripper and taking his knife, uh, you know, a big knife out of the medical bag, that type of stuff. So, and he ends up drugging her. And I think he also stabs her or cuts her, slashes her. Maybe, uh, we go back to Batman at Gordon's house. He is talking to Batman's or, or, uh, Gordon's wife. And what we've kind of seen for her this whole time is in profile or in, she's sort of been in shadow and, what happens is that it's revealed that the side of her face has been burned and basically that Gordon is kind of a psychopath and hates women and thinks that they're the root of problems and sin and he was going to burn the sin out of them. And she's sort of taken a sort of like a Stockholm syndrome type thing. Uh, you know, she believes that what Gordon is doing is right and this, that and the other thing. And I guess we can call him maybe, Instead of Gordon, we'll just call him the Ripper. I, you know, I don't know. Well, I'll probably jump back and forth. But anyway, there's kind of this door or a panel that's uh, that's got that Batman sees. There's like marks on the floor, and he's going to go down there. And she's like, "You can't go down there. That's his private room." And he's like, "Yeah, fuck off." So he goes down there, and when he's downstairs, he finds out, and you you see a lot of the the clues that Batman was talking about how 
how Jack the Ripper is a trained fighter and you see that, you know, there's like trophies for boxing and some other stuff. You also see that there's a picture of him either as a doctor or as a medical assistant or he would have had medical training during the war. You see that he has, I think, some animals and some other things that he's been experimenting on as far as, you know, cutting them open. You also see that he has organs and stuff in the in in jars and stuff. And so Batman is like, holy shit, this guy's fucking wacko. So he heads out, I think, towards the fair. Meanwhile, we cut back to Gordon slash Jack and her and Selena are sort of fighting. She's got her whip. She's drugged. I, you know, I don't know why they necessarily drugged her because we had sort of seen before that she could kind of hold her own with him for a little bit. But that, you know, basically he's a better fighter than her. He's going to beat her no matter what. So anyway, there is one of the searchlights is on and she kind of rubs her blood on it in the form of a bat. And again, I kind of thought that was a little hokey, but Batman sees that. How he would know to go to it, I don't know. Uh, unless that they've, I, I don't think that the, I don't think that they had ever done that before. Or if he just saw something weird in the thing and knew that, that's something he would need to investigate. You know, I don't, again, I don't know. Um, so eventually Batman arrives at the fair and he fights Jack slash Gordon. Uh, they eventually end up on a Ferris wheel. Some uh, lamp oil or something gets knocked over and there's a big fire. Batman, I think he gets some help. It's a little hazy since I'm sitting in the truck. I think he does get a little bit of help from Selena in the fight, but pretty much, you know, she's more of a distraction than anything else. And partially, and maybe that's why they drugged her because that way she's not, it would explain why she's not much more of a, a asset in the fight. And again, that's maybe some more of that modern sensibility is coming in. They don't want to show her as just a damsel in distress, you know, all that other kind of BS that we're dealing with now. So, uh, and I don't even think they would have had to have done that. I think that they could have just, you know, she's capable and everything like that, but he's just a better fighter. And again, you see, he's a better fighter than Batman. Batman is kind of getting the shit kicked out of him again, but he does a little slide of hand and handcuffs. They're in this big giant Ferris wheel car and it's on fire. The back part of it's on fire. Batman handcuffs Gordon to the thing and he says, all right, well, I'm going to bring you in. And Gordon, and this was another scene that I thought was really cool is like, fuck that. Now, he did. He doesn't say that, of course. But basically, he just sort of stands upright and backs himself into the fire and like, and burns himself alive, screaming while he dies. And, you know, at that point, Batman and, and Selina kind of get away. They're leaving the fair as the fair burns. You know, they have to run from the Ferris wheel as it collapses, that type of thing. So, And they meet up with Alfred and the three orphan boys who are probably later going to become the three forms of Robin. And that's pretty much where the movie ends, uh, just as the World's Fair kind of burns to the ground. Yep. Okay, I'm parked around back. I'll swing by and get you.